2: plushcare.com slash weight loss.
3: It was a debate.
2: (laughs) Not everybody landed punches like you did, though.
0: It was a debate.
1: (laughs) So you don't mean it. It was a debate. So there, there needs the whole-
4: to be unrest in the streets for as long as there is unrest in our lives. Unrest. That was Massachusetts Congresswoman Iana Presley declaring that we need more unrest in the streets, and that is great. We've got some. We've got some great audio of some of the unrest over the weekend, Saturday night, the, featuring a. Um, there video of a. Copying, beaten over the head in Chicago with a skateboard, which is fantastic. Well done, Chicago and uh, other cities. And um, what was the other one? There's, um, oh, in Seattle. <laughs> in Seattle now, they've, they, the uh, peaceful protesters have made their way into suburbs where they're now shouting at people who live there and guilting them and yelling at them. <laughs> Well, oh, here's this, that was sorry. That was the Chicago riot. Here's to Seattle, a peaceful protesters working their way through the neighborhoods, seeing people having dinner and calling them out. i, don't, I, don't, I you give up your home? do Do
5: you know that you are living in a historically black neighborhood right now? Do you know that?
4: I'm trying to eat salad on the roof deck. I am I work hard for, li- I'm just trying to...
5: Do you know that before Joe my last game here, this was all black people? Do you know that? Do you know that?
4: Why are you yelling at me, sir? Why are you yelling at me? You know why they're yelling. I mean, because they're this is sanctioned by elected uh, politicians. I don't
6: care if somebody decides to loot a Gucci right. or a Macy's or a Nike, because that makes sure that that person eats. That makes sure that that person has clothes. That's reparations. That's
4: what's happening, yeah.
6: That is reparations. Anything they want to <laughs> take, take it because these businesses have insurance. They're going to get their money back. My people aren't getting anything.
4: That's right. My people, excellent, excellent job of uh, creating, sowing unity, Democrats. So
1: there needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there is unrest in our lives.
4: Great. Sounds like a plan. Excellent. So, um, over the weekend, this this audio here of Kamala Harris talking to um, Stephen Colbert is actually a couple months older. We came out in June, actually, but nobody cared then because she wasn't the nominee. Um, but oh, my wife just texted me and said that we've got a hawk attack again. And um, hold on. We'll get an update on this. A hawk attacked our chicken a couple of weeks ago. Our chickens and swept down and um, tried to mess them up, but uh, but and there was all sorts of like uh, it, it was a guinea hen I think it might have gotten or, or or a chicken I'm not sure. It tried to lift it, but the thing was too fat, so the hawk had to drop it. But you could see there was all sorts of feathers and in the the, the rooster went. Fly like like a Olympic sprinter, man sprinted the hell off the scene into a shed that was open and wouldn't come out. He was a he's a not a profile in courage, but um, but okay. So uh, Alice, jump on here real quick just so that you folks can get an update on the hawk attack. This is breaking news um right now from the Shattuck's backyard. Um, apparently we're hearing from sources on the ground that just seconds ago there was a hawk attack. Now tell me what happened.
6: Just seconds ago, mm-hmm. can you hear me? Um, so seconds ago, I was in the kitchen and all the chickens and guinea fowls and whatever are being loud and going crazy outside, which, as you know, is not a hugely right. rare occurrence. But all of a sudden, amidst all their general clamor, mm-hmm. I hear this sort of other sound that's like higher pitched, like, yes. ah! kind of sound. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I was like, oh no, what's that? So I stuck my head outside and lo and behold... All the chickens and guinea fowls are kind of gathered over by the fence, hiding under their ramp. Yep. And out of the trees, like, behind from that direction, behind our house, flies this red-tailed hawk, like, close by, and flies away over our house towards, you know, that direction.
4: So had he not hit the yard yet?
6: I don't think he hit the yard yet. I didn't see him. But they knew he was there. They had heard him. So where was he? He was um, behind the house towards Barbary, like... Okay that way. And then he flew off across Main Street in the other direction.
4: Maybe this is the same dude, back for more.
6: Maybe it could be. It could be. So we need to
4: get this, we need to record this. And you know, it would be I mean, tragic yet okay if it killed the rooster, right? Or not, do we not say that? It would be tragic.
6: Yeah, that would be tragic. I would be sad. All living things. Yeah. Okay.
4: Thank you. I just wanted you to that update. I appreciate it. Just yeah. in case people no, are no invested problem. in the chickens, especially. What if little Jerry Callahan gets taken alive? Uh, no,
6: you mean Sarah.
4: It's Little Jerry Callahan. <laughs> Her name is. The been world Sarah. knows. Oh, okay. I'm shutting you off. Thank you, Alice. <laughs> all right. We're getting back to this um, Stephen Colbert uh, cut that you're, you're hearing. This is so such a wonderful and telling cut. First of all, Colbert is um, has been it's seemingly. Castrated, but that's fine. I, I never, I'm not, a, I've never seen a full like John Stewart episode. I certainly don't watch Colbert. I just watched some of the viral stuff, um, but I don't, I don't find them useful. But man, the the tongue bath he was giving uh, Kamali Harris in this interview was ridiculous. But that's fine. That's what he does. He's just an activist for Democrats. It's fine. You know, I, I do I do the same thing with some of the people I'm pushing. I suppose. All right, so here's uh, Colbert asking kamala harris about the possibility this is when she's being mentioned about being the uh running mate for joe biden and he asked her like how was how are you gonna do this since you kneecapped him uh during the debates because in those debates you landed haymakers on Joe Biden.
2: I mean, they were, his teeth were like chiclets all over the stage and now I believe you that you're fully supportive of him. How does that transition happen? How do you go from being such a passionate opponent on such bedrock principles for you and, and now you guys seem to be pals?
3: It was a debate. <laughs>
4: Not everybody landed punches like you did though
3: it I was mean... a debate
4: what he said he asked you how what it what answer is this how do you how do you reconcile the things you said the very serious things you said during the debate It was a debate laugh, 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 laugh. <laughs> this is by the way, what we talk about when you say she's got no defense at all at all. She laughs or she does whatever she needs to do to survive. In the room. And this is Colbert. He must be, his heart must be sinking at this moment. So you don't mean it?
0: It was a debate that the whole reason, literally, it was a debate. It was called a debate. I Everyone understand.
4: Tra- but at the time, you seemed pretty passionate.
0: Travel to the debate. There were journalists there covering the debate where there would be a debate.
4: Jesus. Okay, so what about everything you said?
7: I also believe, and it's personal, and I was actually very, it was hurtful.
4: So was it not personal and hurtful?
7: To hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their reputations and career on the segregation of race in this country. And it was not only that, but you also worked with them to oppose busing. And, you know, there was a little girl in California
5: Mm,
7: who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools, and she was bused to school every day, and that little girl was me. So I will tell you that on this subject, it cannot be an intellectual debate among Democrats. We have to take it seriously. We have to act swiftly. As Attorney General of California, I was very proud to put in place a a requirement that all my special agents would wear body cameras and keep those cameras on.
4: Yay, applaud. Awesome, Kamala. But but did you you mean
3: that? It was a debate.
4: (laughs) Not everybody landed punches like you did, though.
0: It was a debate.
4: (laughs) So you don't mean it. It was a debate. He just asked you if you meant it and you can't even answer that. It was a debate. Is it possible that she's been at this game at politics for so long that she just simply has lot the muscle that you'd have that would tell you to uh, use double speak or, or or politely lie to somebody is just atrophied.
0: The, the whole reason, literally, it was a debate. It was called a debate. What's so funny about it? I understand. Travel to the debate. Yeah. There were journalists there covering the debate where there would be a debate.
4: Are you high? Yeah, we we know it was a debate. That's right. You're seemingly debating issues. I mean, supposedly, supposedly. You mean it. Supposedly, we're learning more about the candidate during these things.
3: It was a debate.
4: I get it. Okay, fine. All right. So let's let's look at the debate. If it's nothing about—if it's a debate, in other words, it's a thing you do where you do performance art for two hours— And it's not based on any principle or underlying ideology. Then, where are you on the issues? And well, you've got to you've got to have a at least you have to pretend to have a position, right? A consistent position. Well, let's look back at the. It was a debate. Okay, let's look back at the debate. Kamala Harris on health care. Several debates, actually.
8: We've all expressed an interest in talking about health care, so like let's, let's, let's talk about health care. And this is going to be a show-of-hands question. We asked a question about health care last night that spurred a lot of discussion, as you know. We're going to do it again now. Many people watching at home have health insurance of their employer. Who here would abolish their private health insurance in favor of a government-run plan? Yeah.
4: Two hands have gone up. One is Bernie Sanders... And one is Kamala Harris. Abolish private health insurance. Who here would back a plan that would abolish private health insurance? Me, says Kamala Harris. All right. Next day, with uh, Morning Joe, she's asked about that.
8: Senator, on, on
2: health
4: care last night, you were asked to raise your hands, the entire panel, 10 of you, if you believe eliminating private insurance should be part of the Medicare for all proposal. You and Bernie Sanders both raised your hands. You've been asked and sort of clarified this question a couple of times over the course of the campaign. So once and for all, do you believe that private insurance should be eliminated in this country? Well, she said the yes last night, so it's going to be yes. No. What?
7: Okay.
8: Don't.
4: No, I did not. But you raised your hand last But the night.
7: question was, would you give up your private insurance uh, for that option? Uh, and I said, yes. Oh, I
4: think I you do. heard it differently than others. Yeah. <laughs> I would say so. I would say... I. <laughs> Probably because that's what I heard. This is extremely important. So let's slow everything down for a second because Donald Trump has been tweeting, will be tweeting about Democrats who wanted. Yes, well, let's slow it down because Trump's going to be tweeting, not because we need some clarity from you, because it seems like you're on both sides of this question here. This is a fifth of the economy in human lives that those reasons forget it it's because trump's going to tweet mean at you so let's make sure you have your act together kamala and take away people's 180 million people's health insurance you're saying
8: that actually you did not mean that last night so let's no no I,
7: i i
4: am a proponent of medicare for all private insurance will exist for supplemental coverage okay oh okay so another debate with jake tapper
8: just so just to follow up
2: but to follow up on that, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, to reiterate, you support uh, the Medicare for All bill, I think, initially co- co-sponsored by Senator Bernie Sanders. You're also a co sponsor yes. on it. I believe it will totally eliminate private insurance. Um, so for people out there who like their insurance, well, they don't get to keep it? Well,
7: listen. The idea is that everyone gets access to medical care, and you don't have to go through the process of going through an insurance company, having them give you approval, going through the paperwork, all of the delay that may require. Who of us has not had that situation where you got to wait for
4: approval, and the doctor? So you don't get to keep it. We're doing Medicare for all, or we're doing universal health care, Medicaid for all, whatever.
7: Doctor says, well, I don't know if your, your insurance company is going to cover this. Let's eliminate all of that. Let's move on.
2: I think the last time I saw you was...
4: Different occasion with Jake Tapper.
2: ...the town hall. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to ask you about something you said that night. You said on stage with me in January that when it comes to private insurance, quote, let's eliminate all of that. Let's move on. Yes. Now, you later said we don't need to get rid of all private insurance. So
7: but let's clear that which is exactly well we were together yes and you'll remember and roll the tape please you know, we can roll the tape
2: <laughs> we, we've all rolled the tape that well you support uh, the Bernie Sanders bill which essentially gets I rid
7: of insurance I support Medicare for all but I really do need to clear up what yes. happened on that stage okay. it was in the context of saying let's get rid of all the bureaucracy oh
4: Oh, oh, I see. You were answering a different question again.
7: Let's get all of the way Oh, not
4: the insurance companies. No,
7: that's not what I meant. I know it was interpreted that way. If you want.
4: <laughs> it was, I know it was interpreted literally, but no, 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 no.
7: Watch the tape. I think you'll see that there are obviously many interpretations of what I said. What I meant is let's get rid of the bureaucracy. As it relates to But the bill Medicaid, gets rid of insurance. But, but no, no, no. It does not get rid of insurance. It does not get rid of insurance. And, and, and listen, and let me just tell you where I. Oh, wait,
4: you said you'd we're for it getting rid of insurance so if it doesn't get i am
7: confused i am let's tell you where i am all right i support medicare for all okay it is my preferred um as a principle you
2: mean not bernie sanders bill
7: i support
4: the bill okay Okay. but the bill says get rid of insurance
2: okay i
7: support the bill because the bill
2: gets rid of private insurance for everything It doesn't get rid of supplemental
7: uh, insurance. Right, for
2: for, for cosmetic
4: surgery, but for all... So it doesn't
7: get rid of all insurance.
4: Okay. Right, but most people, when they think of health insurance, aren't doing it for maybe the reasons that you're doing it for, Kamala. Most people are thinking life and death. doesn't get rid of all insurance, but for all
2: essential health care benefits.
7: But why? Ask the question why. The question... If the answer to that question is because Medicare for All and the vision of what it will be includes an expansion of coverage. So, Medicare for All will include vision, it'll include dental, it'll include hearing aids.
4: But, uh... It
3: was a debate. <laughs> it, I mean... was a debate. <laughs> it was a debate.
0: It was a debate. That the whole reason, literally, it was a debate. It was called a debate. Everyone I understand. Travel to the debate. There were journalists there covering the debate where there would be a debate.
4: <laughs> Incredible. There a couple of takeaways. One is I mean, how empty suit can you get? What a hack, hack, hackity hack answer. Ah, yeah, I mean, mean, Jesus, it's such flim-flammery. Yes, I'm for getting rid of private health insurance. No, I'm not. I meant getting rid of the bureaucracy, but I'm for getting rid of health insurance, but I'm not for it because it's going to be, you can still get Botox, but I am for getting rid of private health insurance. Uh, No, you misunderstood me. I said I was going to get rid of my own health insurance. Okay. Okay. It
3: was a debate.
4: <laughs> <laughs> the laughing is is remarkable. Don't you understand? I have to talk to the stupid people for a few minutes, okay? That's just something we do. This is I'm 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 climbing professionally. Don't you understand? You have to It's just something I have to do. Stop it. Don't be stupid. It's a debate, Stephen. Laugh. It's remarkable. The other thing I noticed, and and this is kind of a different subject, but not really. Obviously, she's got no, she is all, um, she is all, she's motivated by her, just a lust for power, you know, which is not an unusual thing, certainly in politics, but You would figure you'd backfill that usually with some kind of uh, consistent uh, policy positions and uh, maybe an underlying general ideology, but she doesn't have that because she was a cop and now she's BLM. She's for private insurance. She's not for private insurance. She's for the Second Amendment. She's not for the Second. She's for gun grabbing at the same time. So she's trying to just be all of these people because she just wants to win. She's trying to win the room. Stephen, I'm trying to win the. It was a debate. debate, right? Don't you understand when I'm with when she's with Charlamagne and God? She's trying to win that room. She'll say whatever it takes to get through the room. So that we know. The other thing that, that I noticed about her is, and this is a problem for the Biden Harris ticket, is that she does not have. Com- command of the stage, command of the room that she's in. She can rehearse a line and attack Biden with...
7: I also believe, and it's personal, and I was actually very, it was hurtful to hear you talk about the reputations of two... United States senators who built their. Rep- and as
4: we know that there's that was just a, that was an act. She's not hurt. She doesn't care. I don't know about the story of the little girl. is even I don't even know if any. Who knows what this is true? But she's let us know that she doesn't take these things seriously. These are.
3: It was a debate.
4: <laughs> but the other thing is, is that on the stage in a room, she has no command of the room. And Biden doesn't either. He used to be able to, as a good politician. Kind of reminds me of uh, up here, of um, Richie Neal in Massachusetts, who's a congressman. You probably, you may or may not know him, but he's very glad hand, big smile, politiciany. He has you know jokes he can talk about. I'm five minutes late because you know I'm a Jesuit or jokes like that. I never, I never understand those jokes. I've been in rooms where people talk about being Episcopalians, and well, you know, I never forget. I'm an Episcopalian. I don't, I don't get that. But there's a certain kind of smart set of uh of moneyed older men where that those jokes are just hilarious but uh but Kamala does not have control command she doesn't have a presence really she looks the part she looks the part she's telegenic and she can say something rehearsed sternly but where a command of the room would come is the unscripted moments She does not have that. She's back on her heels, and that's why she capitulates to whatever she needs to 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 win the room. Because she's acting. This is all an act for her. Now, to a degree, obviously, most politicians are acting. But you have to be able to have put the work in or have done it enough or have a natural ability to have command, to command a room. And she doesn't have that so uh, some unscripted examples here's an example of donald trump in 2016 during a debate
3: it was a debate
4: <laughs> um he's asked by uh dana bash about uh a question about uh speaking english uh, i think it's about immigrants speaking english
1: Criticized governor bush for speaking spanish on the campaign trail you said quote he should really set an example by speaking English in the United States. What's wrong with speaking well, Spanish? Well, I
4: think it's. So now, listen, he should. That question is one where most politicians, certainly Mitt Romney, most Republican politicians would run and hide from that, having said that. But Trump acts like, can you hear people say this? He acts like somebody who's been watching Fox News and who's calling in to talk radio and does he shrink away from it?
8: Wonderful and all, but I did it a little bit half-heartedly, but I do mean it to a large extent. We have a country where, to assimilate, you have to speak English. And I think that where he was and the way it came out didn't sound right to me, We have to have assimilation. To have a country, we have to have assimilation. I'm not the first one to say this, Dana. We've had many people over the years, for many, many years, saying the same thing. This is a country where we speak English, not Spanish.
4: Did you hear that? He's commanding the room. He's saying something that's a little, mildly shocking, because it's in polite, certainly, progressive society. You would never say that, but he says the bold thing. And he says it with confidence, and he says it loudly, and he says it right to your face, right to Dana Bash's face, and right to George, uh, sorry, Jeb Bush's face. Now, this is Bush's rejoinder. Well, I've been speaking
8: English here tonight, and I'll keep speaking English, but the simple fact is if a a high school kid asked me a question in Spanish, a, a, a school, by the way, a voucher program that was created under my watch, the largest voucher program in the country, where kids can go to a Christian school and they ask me a question in Spanish, I'm going to show respect and answer that question in Spanish, even though they do speak English and even though they embrace American values. This was the reporter, not a high school kid, by
4: the way. (laughs) Parting shot by Trump in there. Uh, Voucher program, voucher program, school and Christian school and the program, and he asked me, that's not saying anything. You're not saying anything there. You're saying stuff as a politician is making sure that he's covering all the safe bases that the consultants have been working, practicing with him. Trump said something. Speak English. Assimilate. Doesn't sound nice and furry, and I don't know where you are in the in the issue, whatever. But he said something, because he's commanding the room. <clears throat> Barack Obama could command a room. Especially... <clears throat> Sorry about that. I do have the cough button thing. Um... You know, even when he was getting flack by hecklers, Obama never lost control of the room. I've told you that the civil rights of LGBT Americans President
1: is. Obama. Yeah, oh, hold on a I- Okay, you know what?
4: This is an LGBT uh, heckler trying to disrupt his talk in the White House. Obama.
5: No, 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 no,
3: no, 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 no yeah, listen,
8: you're in my house,
3: and <laughs> no, you don't start,
8: you don't, no, no, no. come on. It, it's, it's, it's not, you know what, it's not, it's not respectful when you get invited to somebody, You're not. You're not. You're not gonna. You're not. You're. You're not gonna get a good response from me by interrupting me like this.
4: Never. Never. I understand the, that guy doesn't have a mic, and Obama does, but he had a commanding presence in that room, and he was not relinquishing it. He spoke with more authority. He never cracked. He never, uh, you know, equivocated on his point and, and folded and went back and forth like Kamala Harris when she simply asked about health care. Just a stance. Give us, is it A or B? A or B, well, it's B, but it's A, but it's A, but it's B, but it's B, but it's A, but it's A, but it's, a, but it's, a, but it's B. It's not a rehearsed, you know, this is very hurtful and personal to me, Kamala Harris empty suit speech. It's not. I mean, some people just have command. And there's, it's not just, it's not just a... Uh, it's not politicians celebrities when you're good and you've got talent or you've got resolve and you know that it's stronger than anybody's when you're you know when you're somebody who's been through the ringer has reached great heights has done it been knocked down a thousand times but i get up again never gonna be up and down um you know, you've just got it. You, you can, it, and it doesn't matter. You know you own the room, so you can screw around. You can go off script. You can play a little lead guitar. You can do whatever the hell you want because you're the man in that room.
5: Since my baby love me.
4: Elvis Presley, 68 special. No one cooler. He's screwing around a little bit. He's making up some lyrics here and there. He's joking with the audience. But he was the it guy in that damn room. He was the most impressive, obviously, that the energy that was exuding from the guy. He knew that he was the most talented guy around. There's, and when you've got that confidence, when you know, when you have, when you own the room, then you have the confidence to just be yourself and do whatever the hell you want, and that you don't give a damn. And it's not that, it's not that common. Not everybody has that. I certainly don't have that. Not everybody has that.
9: Some people do. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be, I didn't, did he introduce me? I just walked on. Somebody, <laughs> somebody pushed me out here. I don't know what. It's all right, though. Oh, all right. But uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Dean I'm Martin, Frank, this is uh, a Tonight SCA Show from, over. like, 1965. Hey, he told me to come here. And uh, just this morning, we, we flew in. We didn't even take the airplane. We just flew right in.
4: Bad jokes doesn't give a damn. He's Dean Martin. He's extremely talented. He's a handsome guy. Already had all the success in the world. He can tell bad jokes. He can uh, light his cigarette in front of the crowd. They'll love every minute. He can joke. Um, he can drink cocktails in front of the crowd. It doesn't doesn't matter.
9: He's Dean Martin. We do that on weekends. And uh, <laughs> you missed the whole show. <laughs> but uh, right now I've had a very special request. But...
4: This guy, the self-confidence that this guy just showed was remarkable. Can you imagine being part of the Rat Pack? You know, Frank was the chairman of the board. You know, Frank was the guy who barked orders. But Dean could have, you know, kicked his ass anytime he wanted to. Dean was a boxer. I'm going to sing anyhow. uh,
9: But this, oh, look at this. This ain't got no printing on it at all.
4: I stepped on that joke. He said, I got a request, but
9: I'm going to sing anyhow. (laughs) We're,
5: uh, out. want to go (laughs) anyplace?
9: We're going to sing a few, excuse me, we're going to sing a few,
4: oh boy. What was that? He just uh, burps or whatever, doesn't care. He's Dean Martin. He's going to get to a
9: song here and you're all going to shut up. But here's a little song. Uh, oh, I don't know. I'll, I'll look at the introduction. You play whatever you want. This is from that wonderful picture, Lay Back and Read. me the pillow that you dream on damn
4: right just presence and talent you know it didn't matter He could come in late leave or didn't didn't matter same year at uh shea stadium beatles at shea stadium they knew they were they were the best band in the world enjoying the most success in the world with huge crowds and they absolutely own them own them and they just happen to be the most talented group of guys doing what they were doing presence thank you very
5: much everybody can you
9: hear me would like to do a song of our LP screwing album, around Beatles 6 I think can you hear me <laughs> hello <laughs> It's called
5: Dizzy Miss Lizzy.
4: The Rhythm Freight Train. It could care less, man. They own those rooms. They own those stadiums. You know, and it's not just the fame, it was the fact that they were so damn talented. That's not even their own, that's a cover, too. They could joke around, they could get off key, they could, you know, half the time the drummer couldn't hear them, so they all be playing their own thing anyway. But to have that command and the presence. Here's two people from, this is around. Nineteen seventy to somewhere somewhere in the early seventies. This is Bill Buckley, um of of um, National Review speaking to Margaret Thatcher, and um, she is so intelligent. He of course is brilliant, and he's Bill Buckley. He's all the affectations. I don't know how where that accent that he has. He's from Connecticut. I don't know how that happened or whatever, but it works perfectly. And she charms everybody in the room. Charms him. You can tell, and this is what made her commanding in her presence. You can tell that when revved up, going at uh, you know at cruising speed, her intellect was was bested by no one's. She's so smart, and so quick. And even though this isn't a speech, this is just a conversation. This cut here. It's remarkable. It's a command presence.
9: I'd like to begin by asking Mrs. Thatcher whether there is anything I can do to cause her to feel free to criticize.
4: Let me set this up, actually. They're in New York right now, so he's trying to get Thatcher to say something nasty about her opponents, but since she's across the pond, she's not going to disparage uh, her political opponents back in England, because that would be considered dishonorable.
9: I'd like to begin by asking Mrs. Thatcher whether there is anything I can do to cause her to feel free to criticize British or American politicians by name, should she be inclined to do so?
10: I would be pretty unlikely to do so. Uh, I spend quite a lot of time doing that at home, naturally, but not here.
9: So therefore, we're going to have to find formulas, are we, for identifying bad people?
10: Uh, shall we just say that I hope I'll not be too undiplomatic
9: uh, well, it, it always takes a certain lack of a diplomatic um, circumspection to become the leader of a party, doesn't it? Or to
10: produce an interesting program.
9: Or to produce an interesting program. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I've been uh, ten years without getting a Nobel Prize, but I hope you won't have to wait so long before you're Prime Minister.
10: I thought perhaps you'd done quite a lot for peace.
9: Well, as a matter of fact, I have, uh, although it's not universally recognized. <laughs> Well, Never held
8: major public office' which is a tremendous accomplishment
9: uh, yes hasn't I, had that drawback I came dangerously close with 13 percent of the vote
4: <laughs> he ran for mayor and got a small amount of the vote how it was almost like a, a dance how brilliant is she her intellect is just so god so hilarious and she's actually got if if you look at um she's actually got a just a a, a charming beautiful smile too and I think it works hand in hand with her with her intellect to 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 command a room. Um, it's just it's just wonderful. Here's a here's a quick uh, cut of the two going. This is a different different time in the seventies.
9: In a fit of exasperation, uh, he said in the house, "Look, goddamn it! Uh, if we take take, can you see goddamn it in the house? You probably can't, can you?"
10: I don't know, but I um, I wouldn't mind have. having a shot. <laughs>
4: <laughs> incredible, incredible. Here's Ann Richards. This is when Ann Richards, she was the governor of Texas. She was a Democrat. I don't know if she's she alive. I'm not sure. But she was a kind of firebrand and um, incredible, quick wit. She could be a powerful speaker. She was fantastic. This is Ann Richards in 1988. Somebody's going to ask her if she thinks that she should be considered for vice president. This answer, it's another way. We talk, you know, Kamali Harris just bobs and weaves and dodges and you know it's it's a it's all a theatrical performance
3: it was a debate (laughs) it was a debate
0: (laughs) it was a debate that the whole reason literally it was a debate (laughs) it was called a debate i understand Travel to the debate there were journalists there covering the debate where there would be a debate (laughs)
4: This is Ann Richards. They ask her if she would, would make a good— should she be considered for vice president in 1988?
1: Uh, I'm not prepared to be vice president. Uh, I need a lot more seasoning. I need a lot more experience. I need a lot more broadening in uh, the issues with which I am acquainted because, after all, what I basically do now is manage $2.5 billion a day. And, but, you know, there's a lot more to this world. I've uh, been managing a lot of money. I really know what my talents are, and I think I'm very good at managing managing people. I hope uh, that my future holds a great deal of wonderful things. And uh, being vice president would just be great. I'm I'm, I'm good at funerals. I'm good at weddings. <laughs> yeah, there's all sorts of kind of social.
4: But I'm not ready to do that, and and the country deserves more. Wow, wow! Talk about candor. That's a way to command a room—absolute candor and honesty.
3: It was a debate.
4: Yeah, we know candor and honesty. Man, I would have voted for Ann Richards just for those attributes, just to have those out there. The same thing, the same way I I like to Andrew Yang was that person, that characteristic would be good to have out there, just healthy. Can you imagine that? good for ann Richards what a great what a what a Democrat what a democratic party that was Here's a democratic party uh they're in the Kavanaugh hearings uh, when Chuck Grassley starts to get the hearings going. first person to chime in will be um will be the debater
3: It was a debate
4: <laughs> and then um the guy from Connecticut, the senator from Connecticut and this is the seriousness of today's issues.
3: Senator it's
5: Chuck Grassley, let's hearing. listen in.
4: On the nomination of Mr. Judge Chairman Brett Kavanaugh. Mr. Chairman. To serve as Associate Justice. Mr. Chairman, on the I'd Supreme like to be recognized for a question
7: before we proceed. Regular word, Mr.
1: Chairman.
7: Mr. Chairman, I'd like to be recognized to ask a question before we proceed. The committee received just last night. Less than 15 hours ago,
4: 42,000
7: pages of documents that we have not had an opportunity to review or read or analyze.
4: You are
8: out, you're out of order. I will proceed.
7: We cannot possibly move forward, Mr. Chairman. I with extend this a very
8: warm welcome we have not to the opportunity. To this have is a stunt. is that is a are nominee. There are two daughters. Mr. Chairman, I agree with my colleague, Senator Harris. Mr. Chairman, judge we received 42,000 documents
3: that we haven't and been everyone able to review last night, and we believe this hearing should be
4: postponed. I know this is an
8: exciting day for all of you here.
4: Here's the third one. Mr.
8: Chairman, one. Mr. Chairman, Mr. Chairman if, if we cannot be recognized, I move to adjourn. And the then American they've got the crowd people joining, people joining in too.
9: directly from Judge Kavanaugh later this
4: afternoon. Mr. Chairman, I move to adjourn. And, yeah. Um, Just a stunt. That's what we get now. That's what we get now. Because it's it's uh, showbiz, right? I mean, you know what it is.
3: It was a debate. <laughs> it, I mean... was a debate. <laughs> it was a debate.
0: It was a debate. That the whole reason, literally, it was a debate. It was called a debate. Everyone I understand. Travel to the debate. There were journalists there covering the debate, where there would be a debate.
4: Excellent. So, Ayanna Presley, who is the colleague of Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris. Um, she, um, in response to all of the violence going on. Iana um, Presley has a as a uh, prescription for how to handle this.
1: This is as much about public outcry and organizing and mobilizing and applying pressure so that this GOP-led Senate and that these governors that continue to carry water for this administration, putting the American people in, in harm's way, um, turning a deaf ear to the needs of our families and our communities, hold them accountable. Well, make the phone calls, send the email, show up. You know, there needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there's unrest in our lives. And unfortunately, there's plenty to go around. I'm looking to the public.
4: Okay, well, the public is responding. (laughs) That, what you just heard there was uh, a policeman's head being hit by a skateboard. (laughs) Chicago totally, totally... Total chaos yesterday. Total chaos. There needs to be
1: unrest in the streets for as long as there is unrest in our lives. Well, it's working. There needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there is unrest in our lives.
4: Excellent. Well, here we go. One of the nicest cities in the world now is the the uh, Magnificent Mile is just absolute and total rubbish. Well done. You know, beautiful parts of New York, Manhattan, are just destroyed. Disgusting now. Well done. Well done. These, Some of these, it takes decades for these kind of places to recover from this. It takes decades. Minneapolis is finito.
1: But hey. There needs to be unrest in the streets for as
4: long as there's unrest in our lives. That's a, a elected official sanctioning, encouraging a violence in the streets crazy. In Seattle they're yelling they're going to the neighborhoods now these Black Lives Matter folks and yelling at people. I told you about this before. <laughs> yelling at people trying to eat chicken salad on their balconies. So one of the women that you hear in this thing is telling people to give up their houses um and uh, and give them cash. Just imagine, this this could be your cul-de-sac. And this, this is what the Democrats are encouraging.
5: Do you know that you are living in a historically black neighborhood right now? Do you know that? Do you know that before you told my last name here, this was all black people? Do you know that? Do
4: you know that? that? Kid, trying to have dinner. Screw, okay? We work at jobs, okay? Go yell at somebody else. Go get a job. Go, bad groceries She's just something. Do you know people like you came in here and basically bought all the land from the black people for
5: less what it was worth, kicked them out?
4: People like you, not you, of course, but people like you.
5: So you can live here. Do you know that? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know that? Yeah.
4: Because if you don't,
5: now you do not do something about it. Yeah. Open, your what are you do? Open your
4: wallets. Open your wallets says the white girl from Wellesley. So you, like
5: a, you live in a historically black neighborhood. You live in a gentrified neighborhood. Yes. you part of that gentrification. Yes. So how are you going to fix it? What are you going
4: to do to fix it? You're part- I'm eat, uh, putting blue cheese on my salad. I don't know. I already did the... Well, everybody at this dinner up here on this roof deck already did the thing where we put the arms up and got on one knee and we thought we were done for the summer, but we're not apparently
5: that gentrification that racist gentrification
4: how do you plan to fix it because you are living on black people land right now yeah i mean native land but black people live here too oh wait a second wait a second so i mean um uh, native land but black people's land too well wait a second seems to me that the natives were there first if we're playing by intersectionality rules and now the new finders keepers rules what did the Native Americans get paid for that? and maybe they bullied some other tribe off of that land who got paid what for what? nobody's allowed to have dinner on anybody's balcony anymore until we figure this all out
5: so how do you plan to fix it? as a ginger bark, because you are part of that problem how do you plan to fix it? No. See, that's
4: why your so oh, Jesus, I didn't hear that last thing. Okay. Class act. Class act. Give up your house.
5: <laughs>
4: so unfortunately in Seattle now, you have to, you know, just suffer this kind of stuff, this harassment and uh, bullying Every evening, because the police are gone. Great job.
5: Yes. we are sitting there comfortably, comfortable as yes. and they're yes. 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 not this neighborhood. Are you still living this God. God. in this neighborhood? But who is still living in this neighborhood? Are you still
4: living in this must have been a great neighborhood back then.
5: Yes. Are you Are you sitting up there having a good time with your other wife's
4: <sighs> Yeah, no, nobody's nuts. Nobody's insane. I think the society's fine. There needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there's unrest in our lives. Thanks, Ayanna. Let's see how many more uh, cities we can destroy. (laughs) (sighs) So, riots, riots, riots. You ever get that thing? I'm sure you have. I got, during my walk today, suddenly, during my walk today, I was taken back to, like, a by the smell of um, I walked by this, uh, I know you're getting nervous right now, Uh, I walked by this um, little pond, it's more like a marshy pond thing, and the smell of like the lily pads or whatever it was took me back, like just brought me instantly back to like 1977 and I could I felt like I could identify in the Winchester Fells where I was and what we were doing with my dad, my brother, my mother, and our dog then and And that was when I smelled that smell last. Like, that's exactly from then. I'm sure you've had this too. People have this. I didn't invent this. You have this. Where suddenly you go, um, you know, can be, smell jumps out because that's one of the things that does it. One thing that my brother and I sometimes get is, um, we used to, my, my mother used to take us to Battleship Cove in Fall River, Massachusetts, where the USS Massachusetts Battleship is. And it used to smell, the battleship inside would smell of the battleship gray paint. And there was nothing, nothing else smelled like that, but that battleship. But like once a decade, we'll walk into some rumor area and it's that smell again. And boom, it's 1979 with my mother on the battleship. And it's so crazy, you know, and how that works. There's a lot... There's a lot we don't know uh, about the human mind, and right there, you just heard some very profound Tom Shattuck uh, original thoughts. Maybe I'll get somebody smart on to talk about it soon. But I mean, don't you have you listen to a? Oh, this always happens. I can listen to. Sometimes I'll listen to a. A song will come on, or or YouTube will take me to like I'll hit some song from the '70s that I like, and then YouTube will take me to other songs from the '70s, more obscure songs, or, and then. I'll get hit by a song where I'm like, oh, my God, this song was playing when my my mother was walking with me in like Zales or Zaire or whatever it was called, whatever department store in like 1977. And I was exhausted. And you had that like somewhat feeling sick feeling when your mom drags you around too many stores for too long. And they're all boring stores for a little boy anyway they're boring stores except for that, you know you could go into climb inside the clothes racks especially the round ones which would be pretty cool but man and you hear like oh in the overhead speakers as you're in the clothes rack and your mother's like trying boring clothes on because there's nothing more boring than that when you're a little kid you hear the song and the speakers and then in 2020 you're you're here just walking around and then you hear the song again and you can hear it as if it was coming through the speakers again <laughs> Right back Mom can we go home I don't want to keep doing this but... when I need oh Jesus you,
10: I just close my eyes and, I'm
4: with. and the sound of like the clothes on the clothes rack on the hangers being scraping along cause she's separating the clothes <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gone anywhere, by the way. I'm just. Uh, I'm. It's 1977 in my head. I don't know if I'm exuberant or suicidal. Oh, and then we just bit wait. To please, can we go, Mom? Just put the stuff on layaway, okay? And so we can go back in the, uh, in the you know 1974 Monte Carlo, so that you can smoke with the windows uh, all up and. Uh, we can drive around with no thought at all of using a seatbelt. Man, those are the days, huh? Well, I'm going to bring back in, and we're not going to talk about raptors or recent attacks. We're going to talk about another issue, and I'm going to bring in my uh, betrothed. Is that, isn't that my wife my betrothed? Well, here we go. So yesterday, uh, a remarkable thing on Twitter... As there was video of, um, I don't know exactly what this was. There was video of a bunch of um, Antifa slash uh, revolutionary BLM people in front of the Postmaster General's house, and I, this has got to be a first, I assume. And they were very upset because what I can gather, and I'm not, I don't even know anything about the story, but what I can gather is that the president is closing up the post office, uh, bleeding it dry so that people can't vote by mail, so that the Republicans can succeed in cheating to win e- e- the f- uh, yet another election. Of course, 2016 they stole, and uh, 2000 they stole. 2004 they also stole, um, and that's just in recent years. I assume they stole them all. So um, and there was all these pictures of, uh, of, of mailboxes being kidnapped in the back of trucks and being, you know, driven away and uh, melted down, I assume. I don't know, to, for Trump's shock troops to bayonet innocent people and uh, nonviolent protesters. And uh, so I'm not, I'm not sure what to make of it all. I, I'm told that this is the end of the world, that there is a dark revolution happening. No, no, sorry, a, a dark in, incursion into authoritarianism happening from the White House, using the post office. To figure it all out, I've brought in the uh, oracle of knowledge of my uh, house and the person who knows um, everything about my kids, most of which I should probably know and I endeavor to over the next year, Alice Shattuck. Good day. Hello. Hi. I'm glad you joined me.
6: I'm happy to be here. I consider this an opportunity to air all of my many grievances about USPS and the Postal Service.
4: Oh, good. Well, you know, my most recent... interaction, I guess, with the postal service was uh, my friend George Capalba, who's been on the show before, who um, who has, um, he, he hosts, he's a co-host of the Point of Things podcast with me, and uh, George sent me a piece of equipment I needed for, for this computer right here that I'm recording into, and instead of the piece of equipment, I got a nice note from the post office saying that uh, it was gone, and that... It, it, it was in heaven now or just uh, missing forever. So that was it one. It
6: escaped from your mail.
4: Exactly. It escaped from your mail. Remarkable how that happened. So in the year 2020 with the post office, I am one for one. <laughs> that said, a guy comes here every day and drops the mail, and he's a great guy. Right. Know?
6: I mean, the Postal Service, they are reliable. The people come, they deliver the mail. That is undeniable. Um,
4: mm-hmm.
6: However, the whole thing with the missing, the object, That comes in the mail. I mean, like, people complain about electronic communications and, like, they want to mail stuff because it's more reliable. But, you know, mail gets lost a lot more often than email does. I'll just put it out there that that's, you know, a thing. And, you know, I assume somebody took your dongle that was being mailed to you in the mail. But people worry about privacy in email. You know, you're in the hands of whoever... You know, whatever disgruntled person is mm-hmm. happening happens to be working on the mail that day, and you know, you have to trust that all these people that handle your mail will not be unscrupulous, which we know no government workers ever unscrupulous. And yes, 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 I know that the post office is not technically government workers, but I'll get into that a little bit later about why they actually are. They have a lot more in common with the public sector than they do with the private sector, even though they're technically not part of the government. Um, but. More to the point, you don't have that much privacy with the mail. This is just something, I was talking about this with someone today, and most people do not realize this. Even though the inside of your mail, like your dongle, was technically supposed mm-hmm. to be private, like people aren't supposed in to think touch the mail. people assume
4: it's some kind of uh, sex appliance, a dongle, is, <laughs> a dongle is the thing that you plug into a, a Mac, if Apple computer. I don't know what
6: it is either, I don't it's know a, what he yeah. was ordering, it's but a, <laughs> he didn't yeah. get it. We know that much. Right. I don't know, I was not part of it, but anyway, he didn't get his thing in the mail I hope the person George. who
4: stole it knows that. (laughs)
6: Well I don't know So anyway But so that was supposed to be private The inside of your mail is supposed to be private The mail is sacred You're not supposed to open it It's a federal crime to touch the mail I think people know that But what people often don't realize Is that the outside of your mail is not private at all As a matter of fact The U.S. Postal Service takes photographs of Every piece of mail that passes through their hands and hangs on to the information and gives it to law enforcement if they want it. Any federal agency, any local police agency, they'll tell them what mail you've been receiving and from whom.
4: Right. And this is as a result of the um, white powder attacks after 9-11. That's part
6: of it. But they've been doing um, they've been taking photographs of all the mail and keeping it since the early 90s. Really? And allowing, and there's zero oversight over who gets the request. It's not like you need some big FISA warrant thing mm-hmm. to get it. They can just come and ask, and the postal service is like, "Oh yeah, sure, here. Yeah. This is who Tom Shattuck's been getting mail from. He was supposed to get a dongle. <laughs> he thought he was going to get that one, but we took that. You know, so so they, you know, see every piece of mail, and they can they say, you know, like, oh, we don't track any particular person. Well, like, sure, but you will give it to anyone who asks at a moment's notice. So. You know, it amounts to the same thing in the end. So there's no privacy, and I think when vote by mail comes up, that that's kind of important. Um, you know, I don't think that people realize that you're entrusting your ballot to this same group of people that are already passing all your okay. information to the government.
4: So we should, before we get to to the bigger um, philosophical conversation of the post office, let's specifically go to the forensics of the mail, United Postal Service-driven coup to steal the election. So what is happening to... I've seen pictures of uh, mailboxes being carted, carted away. Um, the USPS has clarified without, yes. that
6: they're replacing older boxes with newer boxes.
4: Okay, so they're not being kidnapped and held in, in camps anywhere. No, no. Okay, so those boxes are being replaced uh, normally. Right. Okay. What about the huge mail sorting machines in in all these facilities? There's one in New York. There's there's one in Texas. There's it's interesting. That all the mail f- sorting facilities that I've seen are generally in states where the the election is decided. It's on one side or another. But so I the Postmaster General, I am told on social media and by CNN and the Talking Heads on Sunday today, I am told that um, they're doing that so that they can't sort the mail so that all of the Biden Harris votes won't get through the Trump can win the election why are they why are they closing this sorting facility things
6: I mean, I honestly have no idea why they're closing the sorting facilities. I haven't looked into it that closely. I'm assuming it's because the post office is a fiscal disaster and they can't keep them open because they're terrible at running a business. Um, I, I, not
4: facilities, machines. Inside machines. The, the sorting I, yeah, machines. That's what they are. The sorting yeah, machines. I
6: don't know that much about that particular issue, honestly. I don't think that. Limiting vote by mail is a really good strategy for Republicans Because I think that most people I mean, I know, for example, absentee voting A ton of it is done by older people who have trouble leaving the House I mean, most of the people I know who vote absentee are older people They're voting Republican They're not mostly, you know, you have to People act like this is some voting access issue But you have to be pretty organized to cast an absentee ballot You know, like you have to request it in advance and it gets sent to you and then you have to send it back by a particular date. I mean, like if we're talking about the people that like can't get a photo ID and stand in a line, then I don't think they're going to be doing much voting by mail, frankly. Like it's I don't think it's going to impact overall turnout that much amongst Democrat voters. Um, I know there's more demand for vote by mail right now, which is the issue that we're hearing about, that they're not going to be able to keep up with the, the vote by mail demand. but
4: Breaking news on this, by the way. Mm-hmm. White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows on Sunday today denied reports that several U.S. Postal Service letter sorting machines were decommissioned after orders from the Postmaster General. Meadows told CNN State of the Union that reports about hundreds of Postal Service sorting machines being taken out of service are a political narrative and not based on fact. NBC News reported on Friday that an internal document showed that Postmaster General Louis DeJoy is decommissioning 671 of the USPS's letter sorting machines across the U.S. There's no sorting machines that are going offline between now and the election, Meadows said. That's something my Democrat friends are trying to do to stroke to stoke fear out there. That's not happening. Um, Meadows also called on the House Democrats to return to D.C. to negotiate postal service funding, along with enhanced unemployment benefits, stimulus checks, and small business reform. Adding that the president will sign quote sign that. CNN's Jake Tapper pushed back on the chief of staff, saying, are you saying that sorting machines have not been taken offline and removed? I'm saying that sorting machines between now and the election will not be taken offline, Meadows replied, prompting Tapper to ask about the ones that have been taken offline in the last couple of months. Why were these sorting machines taken offline, Tapper asked. Meadow answered, get your producer to share where exactly those sorting machines were taken offline. Let them whisper in your ear, uh, because let them whisper in your ear, because what I'm telling you is you're picking up on a narrative that's not based in facts. Ooh, nice and salty. A sorting machine to handle 100 million ballots. It's like a gnat in an elephant's back, Meadows added. It's not going to matter with 8.6 billion pieces of mail going through the Postal Service every year. So there you go. Wow, nice kerfuffle.
6: Yeah, I mean, that just feeds into what I think is The real thing that's happening here is that there's no special effort to derail the election. First of all, the narrative makes no sense because, like I say, I don't think it's Democrats that are doing a ton of vote by mail. Um, You don't? No. I mean, this is what I was kind of saying. I mean, certainly with absentee voting, I think the people that are worried about getting coronavirus and are primarily older people who do absentee voting generally almost everyone i know who does absentee voting is elderly and can't leave the house you know that's why they're doing it they're not i don't think vote by mail is a huge thing i know there's more demand for it now because of covid but um i don't know were you listening to what i was saying a second ago because i said all this already but i don't want to repeat myself
4: uh no i was i'm looking i was i was reading what did
10: you say yeah
6: well what i was saying was that uh voting by mail is Kind of difficult Like you have to Request the ballot In advance by a Particular date And then it has to Get mailed to you And then you have to Fill it out and Mail it back by a Particular date I think the crowd Of people that the Democrats need to Vote who like Have to know when Voting day is Be given the day off Can't have a Photo ID and like Figure out how to Get there that that group of people that they're not doing a lot of vote by mail because that requires so much advanced planning and work like you have to be somebody who's really determined to vote and organized and know well, what's going on. What's the difference
4: on. between voting by mail and absentee ballots?
6: Um essentially absentee ballots you need a reason and vote by mail you don't.
4: Oh okay. Let's listen to this audio. There's no
8: sorting machines that are going offline between now and the election. That's that's something that my Democrat friends are trying to do uh, to stoke fear out there. That's not happening. I can tell you that the the sorting machines, listen, the volume of first class mail that they have at the postal system right now, we haven't seen that volume since I was 17 years old. It's not a volume problem. What this is, is a political narrative by my Democrat colleagues. And so listen, we've got.
4: Uh, So there's Mark Meadows. I don't know if, you know, it would have been nice if if they had uh, maybe done this a little bit earlier denied, uh, denied the stuff. But, uh, you know, there's only so much that they can. uh...
6: I mean, I think they're keeping up with the fake news as much as they can. But, you know, it's a new imaginary story every minute. You know, and and it gets to a point where, like, when stuff is just not factual, like with the post office boxes getting picked up and taken away, like, what? How do you even respond to that? It's just not true. It's like a (laughs) fake thing. Like, how? It's (laughs) insulting that people even have to respond to this. Sorting
2: machines have not been taken offline and removed. Are you asserting that that did not happen?
8: I'm saying that shorting machines between now and the election will not be taken offline. Listen, I I had postal under my. They're the ones that have been taken offline in the last. I, no, 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 but listen, here's what I'm saying is, when you look at it, the normal process of doing all of this, Jake, uh, I had the postal system under, I had the only bipartisan bill to actually deal with the $146 billion loss that the Postal Service has been, uh, will see over the next 10 years. And so when you're looking at this, these postal machines and the the, the drawdown, that was a 2006 bill that has been implemented that I don't necessarily agree with, but that's That's not this postmaster general that that did that. That was the previous postmaster general under under Obama. I
2: get that. Why were these sorting machines taken offline? Why? Why were they taken offline? And why have uh, the? Jake, you you keep saying that. So get your producer.
8: Jake, Jake, (laughs) you keep saying that. Get your producer to to share where exactly those sorting machines were taken offline. Let them whisper in your ear,
4: because (laughs) what I'm telling you
8: is you're picking up on a narrative that's not based on fact.
4: That is a good catch by Meadows. That it's definitely the producer keeping. Postal
8: management has already
2: taken out four machines in Kansas City. Two machines in Springfield, Missouri, and one machine in Wichita, Kansas, that is earlier this year under this new Postmaster General.
8: No, no, no. With with all all due
4: respect. Honestly, don't they?
6: (laughs) I mean, is, is Wichita a big Clinton? No, you're right. You're right. Stronghold?
3: I don't
8: know. And and if we look at it, I can talk to Kansas, I can talk to Tucson, Arizona. You're talking to someone who knows, it's when we take out those processing, they're part of a processing center that uh, comes in. And as we start to move those out, if they were not part of an already scheduled uh, reallocation, it's not happening. It's not a new initiative by this Postmaster General. And when we look at this, it's all about efficiency, but you have a normal system of of changing it out. So uh, with with all due respect of your fact checker, I'll be glad to come in. We can spend an hour talking about this. We'll bore people to death. But I can tell you this, the post office has been losing money for over 10 years. You can go back, Google it, look at the fact that I've gone in with Megan Brennan and said, I want to fix it to make sure that we fix it. This president is serious about fixing it. Louis DeJoy is serious about fixing it. We'll have the money allocated. And as the postmaster-
4: So, that's where we are. Um I don't I don't know. I don't know. I, I, well, this- I think I
6: think Meadows gets a good point here when he says like we'll bore people to death if we actually go through the real reasons why we're drawing down mm-hmm. certain processing machines in certain places. You know, you're running this essentially huge bloated bureaucracy and like you have machines that phase out and ones that go in and you have like timings that have been set up for years to decommission certain things. Uh, but that's a more complicated, boring story to tell people. If you just tell people, like, "Aha, the Republicans are decommissioning postal machines. Mm-hmm. Aha, see, mail-in voting will be destroyed." And that—that's like an easy story to understand, and it's sensationalist, so people want to hear that. So it's much easier to spread that story than to spread a story about like the postal service is just doing their regularly scheduled machine switchouts over time, you know.
1: say that you want the mail to be processed as quickly as it can, but why is your postal service dismantling these mail sorting machines across the country at this time?
8: Well, you'll have to ask him. I know this. He's a very efficient operator, a very good operator, but again, he needs money to operate if you're going to hit him with millions of ballots. And if you ask him, he will tell you, and he'll tell you very nicely. Uh, You have the money. It's sitting there. It's ready to go. The Democrats don't want to approve it. But I want money for other things, too. I want money to go to people so they can live very nicely because China caused the problem. They didn't.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, too. here's another really great point that the president's making, basically, is that Democrats are making a fuss over this at the cost of holding up stimulus checks to families that are desperate, to extra unemployment, to people that are out of work. Out of work because they shut down the economy, by the way. Not out of work because, you know, their businesses just failed or they're lazy or something. There is a ton of people out there who are in huge financial dire straits because of the epidemic. the pandemic because of the economic shutdowns and the Democrats think for some reason that we care more about how many freaking sorting machines the Postal Service has than about whether or not the government is going to help people who need help. You know, it's it's an absurd priority. And they're trying to make this huge thing out of it, like he's trying to stop people from voting. Let me tell you, everybody is going to be able to vote. And by the way, mail-in voting is a lot harder than in-person voting. So if you're just worried about people's ability to vote, I think that the impact of that is really, really
4: small. It's remarkable where we're able to go versus where we're not able to go. You know, there were still... you. Know, Thousands of people in Chicago yesterday wreaking havoc, beating the crap out of the cops with a skateboard. I'll have the sound, which we'll play in a bit, um, and um, and um, you know at the postmaster general's place. And uh, all sorts of other uh, places, you know, with, with the Black Lives Matter stuff, etc. And everybody's able to, to do that just fine. And everybody's able to go to the supermarket just fine.
6: Well, right. Fauci just said voting is just as right. safe as going to the supermarket. That's what he said. Right. But no, we can't. We believe Fauci only. And he's, you know, people's sexiest man alive mm-hmm. only as long as we, he's saying.
4: You're not allowed to say that because Tucker called him oily. And Chris Cuomo brought up the fact that, that that's a slur on Italians.
6: I didn't say oily.
4: I know, but if Tucker did and you didn't condemn him, you didn't distance yourself during this conversation. <laughs> okay, well,
6: I'm referencing the people who are trying to have him name people sexiest man alive. And so um, because they loved him because he was saving us all from the pandemic until he said that voting was just as safe as going to the supermarket. And that was not okay with them. So it's only you're only in good with them as long as you're saying exactly what they want you to say all the time.
4: Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything else I need to know about this? I'm sorry I didn't listen to you earlier. You're used to it, though. You can well, you people. just might
6: have to cut part because you made me say the same thing twice. I'm
4: gonna. I'm not gonna cut it. This, this, this you is made too me much. tell the same show, thing twice. Well, that's good. As long as you were consistent. <gasps> you didn't I was plagiar consistent. Plagiarize yourself. Wait, is it plagiar? perjure yourself? I was um, consistent. So, um, but uh, no, the, today's show is too big. There's too much stuff in this.
6: Well, anyway, my whole thing about the post office is that the post office like Meadows was saying, is has been in financial dire straits for a long time. They're terrible at running themselves as a business. They're atrocious. They're complaining that they're in more financial trouble because they've been busier because of the pandemic, because people are ordering more stuff. Let me just tell you, all the other places That get busier when their businesses make more money, not less. So, the postal service that's always telling us how financially independent they are and great, like turning around and saying that they're in trouble because people have been using them more is ridiculous. You know, cynical. Well, I happen to work overnights as you may have told our listeners and i work for a business that's been busier since the pandemic and let me tell you they are rolling in money because okay. they have Let's been busier
4: be very clear about the uh, the fact that you're not um engaged in the oldest profession in history alice you you can give a little more information
6: no i'm not gonna give more I'm to- <laughs> I'm not let, them in- no, let them wonder. my wife works
4: overnights and the money's good she's just telling you no
6: i'm not i work for a <laughs> I work for a box store overnight yes. stocking shelves. It's very right. glamorous. They sell boxes. Very glamorous. They do
4: sell boxes, actually. They
6: do sell boxes. It's true. But um, I don't want to associate them with your toxic podcasts. Good. So we'll leave them out of it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but most businesses, a lot of businesses are not doing well because of the pandemic, but that's because they haven't had as much business. Places that are getting more business because of the pandemic, you know, like mm-hmm. Amazon, Lowe's, Walmart. Places that have had more business are generally making more money because that's how business is supposed to work. For some reason, the postal service, first they were going out of business because people were using the mail less. Now they're going out of business because people are using the mail more. Like, what do you want? (laughs) What do you want? Maybe you're just really bad at this. I don't know. They're (laughs) terrible. And again, not to impugn individual postal workers who, you know, in my experience, have always been great. But it's just it's just insane to me that they're allowed to operate this way. Like in total, there's no. First of all, Saturday mail delivery should have been gone decades ago. Like who needs well? Actually it's a good point Saturday because it's a government.
4: Yeah, government issued truck. You know that model of truck only exists for the postal service, especially where we are. Other people you can, they can use private cars, etc. But that truck, that fleet of trucks, that's at the postal service. Big heavy metal trucks they use are hand-delivering house-to-house, like Santa Claus, little pieces of paper.
6: I know, it's insanity. Talk about, I mean, Green New Deal, things the Green New Deal should get rid of. Like, I'm not a big environmentalist or something, but I, like, hate wasting all this paper and stuff. And, like, 90% of the mail that we get to our house, and I'm sure this is the case for most people in America most of the time, 90% of the mail that we get just goes straight into the recycle bin straight right. there there's no most of it is junk that we absolutely do not need and I, I i don't know what we can do about that but i do know um an acquaintance of ours your brother actually at one point he um, he was uh, dealing with the mail and they were he had a post office box and so they kept delivering all this junk mail to it and then they would like call and complain that he wasn't collecting it often enough and it was getting too full and he was like well i only like get a letter like Once every few weeks like Mm -hmm. I don't need I know when I'm getting something that I need if somebody's mailed me a check or something I'll come get it like I don't need the rest of this stuff like this isn't anything I asked for and they were like well you have to come get it. It's all piling up here (laughs) in your mailbox. (laughs) And and he was like, well, can I turn it off? And they were like, no, there's no option for that. It's like like a spam that you can't unsubscribe to. Like, it just keeps coming. You can't not do it. Somebody's paid to send you pieces of paper that you don't want, so you just have to receive them. Like, it just, it's so, like, coercive and weird.
4: My goodness. So,
6: and then, on top of that, I told you I was going to rant about the Postal Service. I Mm -hmm. warned you. So... On top of that, on top of how wasteful and weird and over the top it is, like, we don't need all this mail delivery. Cut it back to three days a week and call it a day. You know, I can always go pick something up at the post office if I need it. But on top of that, it's like a monopoly right? Like UPS and FedEx, they're not allowed to put stuff in your mailbox. That's why they like hang those garbage bags of Amazon packages on the edge of it. And even that's kind of questionable because I can tell you as somebody who's like helped with political campaigns. You're not even technically allowed to attach anything to a mailbox that you're delivering that's not didn't go through the USPS. You know, if I go to your mailbox and I put an envelope in it, With something that I want to drop off to you, like technically that's illegal. They're not going to go after an individual who does that, but like that's why political campaigns, they won't like hand deliver something into your mailbox. It's always like on your door or hanging over your doorknob or whatever. I call
4: that lit dropping.
6: Lit dropping, yes. But that's, it's not allowed to use mailboxes. You thought your mailbox was yours, but no, that mailbox is federal property and nobody else is allowed to deliver things in it, only the mailman. So. It's a government-mandated monopoly on mail delivery. And a lot of people do delivery now. You know, FedEx, UPS, and now Amazon does a ton of their own stuff. It's becoming less necessary by the day. And they were all... I mean, like I say, they were going out of business because they were complaining because people weren't sending enough mail. And now all of a sudden they're like, oh, now too many people are using us for because of the pandemic. Now there's too much mail. Now we're going to go out of business. We can't keep up. Like, Really? I mean the mail-in ballots should be good for them right like shouldn't that make them money why would that be a problem I don't get it it just makes no sense but so they're Holding, they're holding stimulus checks and unemployment assistance hostage, so that they can give the post office an extra twenty-five billion dollars, so that they can, <laughs> so that they can deliver a, mail, mail-in ballots that should just have postage on them anyway. Like it's so absurd to me. A
4: vitriolic rant by my, I sweet, know, sweet little wife. This I is know, ridiculous. I'm usually
6: a good person, I swear, and I like mail delivery people, but
4: I just, I don't. Well, think... you're obviously in on the uh, conspiracy to rig the election for President Trump. Say goodbye to everybody else. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Listen to me at Tom Shattuck on Twitter. You can get me uh, an email at winchester at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, listen to my podcast. TomShattuck.com has some stuff. It was just updated three years ago. And uh, hang in there. I really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of this weekend, David. unless you're hearing this Monday morning, which is tomorrow morning. But If you're hearing it tonight on Sunday night, enjoy Sunday.